0: Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today, so prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our group's pastor, John Shaw. Good morning, Northridge. Oh, that's pretty good. Almost as good as first service. Proud of you. Nice work. Nice work. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, I got to go to CIY with some of our middle schoolers, and let me just give a brief shout out to our boys right here. Can you, these, these are our middle schoolers right here that I went with, and yeah. If you have a teenager, middle schooler that, that you just want to get connected with others, like just have them come sit in the middle. Second service, we're all gonna be sitting here. They can come join us anytime, even if they didn't go to CIY with us. That's where we're gonna be sitting, come join us. Uh, hey, I had a ton of fun at CIY. I'm going to show you a couple of pictures of us. And, and these are some of my favorite pictures that I took at CIY. And, and what you're not going to see is the amazing worship. And man, it was amazing. And what you're not going to see are the fun games, the free time. And man, those were fun. These are my favorite pictures. Because this, the, the very last session, uh, they, they call us together and they, they have three decisions that you can make that night. Um, and, and one was first-time believer. Like, you want to accept Jesus for the very first time in your life the next one was like i'm I'm re-upping like i've been kind of sliding a little bit and i'm coming back And, and that's the next one and then the last one is those like hey i've been good but i'm ready to take that next step i want to be a kingdom worker i want to well i want to see jesus expand in my my church and in my community and if you notice at some point or another it seems like almost every single kid has stood up like this is amazing and this is all because of you like honestly, Northridge covers about half the cost of, of camp. Like this year we covered gas, and you, you know how expensive gas is for us to get there. Like that's because of you. This is return on investment for you. Like people's lives are being changed because your investment at Northridge, so I just wanna say thank you to you. Your giving matters, and I just wanna say that that, that, that does. Hey. We're wrapping up our series on Romans today, and I don't know about you, but I have loved this series. Like, it has been so good. I feel like every single week I have come away with something that has changed my perspective of my relationship with God or my relationship with others or, or how I, I need to know uh, things. And, and so I'm excited to finish it up today. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to open those up, turn them on, go ahead and open up to Romans 14. That's where we're going to be at today. Let me ask you a question though. Uh, what is like the most divisive thing in your house? Uh, I'll go first. For me and my house, it's the dishwasher. Like I spend a lot of time thinking like where is the right place to put stuff so we get the most things in there and that get the most clean, right? Anybody else with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now my wife, she is a hippie. She will just throw things in there like there's no plan, no cause. All of a sudden there's three things in there and we have to run the dishwasher. It's Ridiculous, right? And we all know this. When you have 200 people in a room like this, we're gonna have 200 different opinions on how to load a dishwasher, right? But when we are talking about things of dispute, right? That's, that's what we're talking about today. And here's the news flash. If you stick around the church long enough, you're gonna find things that you disagree with other people on about. Like even, even here on staff, like. We disagree on just about everything. Now, some things matter. Like, let me be clear with you up front. Like, some things matter, and we're not talking about that. Today, what we are talking about, like, things of opinions, like, this group's not gonna like this kind of worship, and this group's not gonna like this. Where's, where's, uh, where's my Bible study? Or, or why is the music so loud, or, or things like that. That's what we're talking about, things of opinion. And so, as a result, in church, when we come into groups that differ in opinion with us, we're gonna have conflict. Like some of you, you hear that word conflict and your mouth just starts to water. Like you love a good conflict, don't you? Like, you're rare. Most of us, we hear conflict and we just kinda of wanna crawl up into a ball and hide in a corner until everything passes over us, right, but here's the thing. If you surround yourself with other humans, and we're all human, you're going to experience conflict. And now in the church, conflict can happen in about three different ways. Sometimes it ends up in separation. Like somebody leaves a church, somebody goes and takes a group of people with them and starts another church. And sometimes there's there's resolution. Like the people have come together, they talked it out, and they, they've hashed it out and they've come to a place of peace, of resolution. I think we can all agree, like that's what we really want. Like we want to have peace and resolution. But, but sometimes this third thing happens and there's, there's like this low-grade tension that's underneath the surface. Like everything looks all right, but the, then you see people like sending some passive-aggressive texts or, or anonymous letters and you have this fake piece where, where things are not really that great as it looks. Now, if you and I, if we, the church, are going to be the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth, we have to figure out how to do conflict well. We have to figure out how to do conflict in a way that leads to peace, to resolution. Because there's kingdom implications at stake. And the good news is, Paul, in our passage that we're talking about today, is going to give us um, some answers to that, at least in the, the things in our heads. So, do you remember the situation in Rome, right? We've got some Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, and they kind of have different ways of thinking. And for the first time in history, For the first time in their lives, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians are going into each other's homes and they're having meals together. And Paul knows, like, some of these Jewish believers, like, they're holding really tight onto some of their traditions and stuff, like what they eat and how they do things. And he actually calls these believers the weak believers, which is kind of surprising to us because sometimes we, we, we think those with the, like the strongest convictions on, on some of these things are like the, the, the strong believers, but he's calling them the weak believers. And then you have these Gentiles and they're coming to us and they've understood this great gospel that, that Jesus has freed them from all these, these uh, things that aren't uh, so much necessary and lawful and so they're saying no we're free to follow some of the law but God has freed us from these other laws so don't keep putting this list of tasks and rules that we have to follow and Paul is saying to them you're right but don't be prideful so, so join me in 14.1 accept one another the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters one person's faith allows them to eat anything but another's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. We'll skip over four. We'll get back to that in a second. But one person considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live our lives alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. N.T. Wright does a little bit of a storytelling that kind of helps us out here. So there's this this Christian who, uh, because of his upbringing and temperament and background, is inclined to a very serious view uh, of the rules and regulations and his responsibility of moral, moral life. And as far as he can see, and that's very important, I hope you hear that. As far as he can see, the world around him is very pagan and corrupt and must be avoided at all costs. And if that means not touching meat, so be it. And then he notices that woman over there. She claims to be a Christian, but she's in the meat market buying meat that was clearly sacrificed to idols. She must be deeply compromised. Her and her family must be shunned. Condemnation is the only response. Now this Christian woman on the other hand Like she deeply understands this rich truth that God is the creator and redeemer of all things and the whole world belongs to him, including every piece of meat that you might ever buy. She understands that she has been called to a holy life, but she knows equally well, probably because she's been reading Colossians 2, that outward regulations about what you can't touch, taste, handle, actually don't go to the heart of genuine holiness, she gets tired of being sniped at and criticized by these, these believers who, who she seems, sees as uh, small-minded and timid, unable to see beyond their own doors. When she thinks of people like that, she despises them. And Maybe I can think of an analogy for us today. I, I hope it's far enough out that, that we, we can laugh at ourselves, but just a year ago, masks. Oh, don't say that word, John. Like, there were Christians, very strong belief. if you don't wear a mask, you don't love those around you, and you are not showing the godly love of those to the people around you. And then you had people on the other side of it who were saying, yes, I I understand my responsibility, and I do love those around me, and I also understand my liberty to not wear a mask, I'm not afraid. And both are right, and both are wrong. See, both of them have this very strong understanding of one part of Christianity, but over and above this, there is an understanding that there is one Lord and is before him and him alone. Every Christian lives and dies, stands, or falls. This is what Paul says in verse four that we skipped over. Who are you to judge somebody else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. See, what we need to understand about how this applies to us today is, is all subcultures have codes. Like, we all have cultures that we live in, and within those cultures, we have subcultures, and even within that, you have your families. And families even have their own subcultures and how they think on how we do different things. Some of those things I was talking about earlier, style of music, or, or when and how you, you do church, or the, the clothes that you wear when you go to church, things like that. And eventually, if you're doing church well, subcultures are going to collide. And I want you to hear me very carefully. Sometimes conflict is not a bad thing. Sometimes conflict means you're on mission, that you're doing what you need to be doing. Sometimes it is backstabbing and and inward fighting, but sometimes it means that you're reaching people that are different than you. and, And these people have different opinions and preferences and you are coming together and you're doing life well. It means you're becoming diverse and you're trying to follow Jesus together. So don't see conflict necessarily as a bad thing. See, there's a situation, an opportunity to love others who are a little bit different than you. One uh, quick side note, I want to be very clear on this. We, we don't get to use scripture to talk about disagreements and, and things that are in the Bible. Like sometimes the Bible says what the Bible says. This isn't what we're talking about here. Like the Bible is talking about, the, what we're talking about in 14 and 15 are things that, that are open to opinion. We don't get to take, like, universalism. Like, universalism, this idea that everybody can get to heaven uh, if they're just a good person or whatever. The Bible doesn't teach that. We don't get to just say, agree to disagree. That's not true. Okay, there's, there's other things in our culture that church is, is dealing with across the board. Like, you, you've got, like, homosexuality and, and, uh, and all these things, abortion, all these things. Like, the Bible doesn't say we get to agree to disagree. No, what we're talking about, things that matter. And I get it. Like, sometimes we want to, to just, like, go with the flow. Like, culture's going this way. It'd be so easy if I could just believe this and say that this is okay. But that's not what 14 and fifteen say. No, we're talking about things like what you eat, what days you celebrate stuff, what you drink. And a lot of things the, the Bible leaves open for discernment. A lot of things, and, and that's really what we're talking about today. And this section is so long. I hope you go back and read it. It It's so important. But there's a couple basic truths that Paul is telling us that I want you to pull out from here. First, he's saying don't be driven by opinions and preferences. Like we all tend to overestimate our opinions, don't we? Like we tend to think that they are God's honest truth. Like the way I think about this or that is absolute. But a lot of times they're not. Like a lot of times it's just the way you were brought up. A lot of times it's just your preference, the way that you want to live. And like we all have that one person that wants to be right, right? But for the most part, like we're not gonna fight over things that aren't important. Like in my family, the dishwasher. For me. My wife, it's how you fold the towels. So stop judging. Those are funny examples, but a lot of things are personal preferences and they're not God's honest standards. And Paul is saying, stop it. Just stop it. Stop judging people based on the things that you fill in the blanks on that the Bible has left blank. The Lord is master of all and he has accepted people whose cultural preferences are different than yours. So don't make demands beyond what Christ is demanding. There's a saying in our tradition. You may not know our tradition is, is kind of rooted in the, the, uh, the restorations history, restoration movement. And the church, Christian church kind of has this saying that we kind of clung to since the early 1800s that, that came from uh, John Wesley. And some even think back to um, St. Augustine. That says, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Like, I love that so much. But some of you might be sitting here thinking like, man, that's so laissez-faire, that's, that's so loose. And what Paul is saying here is, is so so easy, but you know that in your conscience, you follow your conscience in a lot of areas in your life. And Paul is saying, let that be so. Don't reject those that Christ has accepted. He is deeply concerned that we welcome folks with different kinds of differences. He's deeply concerned that the church reflects the community that it is in, and that it welcomes all sorts of people that are different than us. Paul is saying, don't be driven by opinions and preferences. Instead, be driven by the example of Jesus. Love people, you know, like he did. Serve people, you know, like he did. Right, it's so easy, but yet it's so difficult. Continue with me in 15.1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify the God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. How many of our conflicts could be resolved if we approach them from a standpoint or a mindset that I'm not in this to defend myself, I'm in this to show you the love of Christ, Now let me be clear, you're not required to follow other people's extra-biblical codes. You're not required to submit to somebody's uh, blanks that they filled in that that are really blanks. You're free in Christ based on your study of Scripture, from following godly people that you know are doing godly things, um, from your prayer and discernment, to fill in those blanks as you see fit. Paul is not saying if your freedom... causes irritation to another believer or or something like that that you just stop doing it no what what he says in 14 verse 13 uh, uh, and 15 he's talking about destroyed and stumbling block that that doesn't mean that they that they just oh you hurt my feelings no that's like them falling away from the faith okay so he's not saying if you just bother somebody that you just don't do whatever it is he's not he's talking about injuring a christian spiritual life to the extent that they are falling away So you don't have to do what they tell you to do, but that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do. That's not, that doesn't mean, that means you can't say, forget it. I'm not going to worry about what you're saying. That's that's not the the spirit of Jesus. That's not the example of Christ. No, see, encased in our rights is responsibility. Like what's that that famous Spider-Man quote? To him who much is given, much is required. What something does to a person determines its quality. See, one person might be able to watch a television show and not, not be tempted to sin, whereas another believer might be able to watch that same television show and be destroyed. So the question isn't, what is this going to do to me? The question is, what is it going to do to my brother? If what I do causes them to sin, if what I do causes them to fall away from the faith, is it worth it? Is it really worth it to harm a brother just to enjoy some food, just to enjoy some drink or watch a show? So by all means, enjoy your freedom in Christ, but don't abuse it. Enjoy your freedom in Christ, but don't become a slave to it so that all you do is whatever you want to do, whenever you want, and, and nothing anybody else says matters. You're free from the law, is true, but not so you can act without love. Remember, you can live in love and therefore, rather you should live in love and therefore live out the spirit of the law even though you don't have to live out the specifics of the code. Live like Jesus by not demanding your personal preferences. and Instead, lay yourself down for the good of one another. I I was going to close by talking to the two groups in the room, the strong believers and the weak believers. Uh, but as I was thinking about it, like, really, all of us are both at the same time and at different times in our life. It kind of all is there. I know for myself, like, I remember being young, and man, I was that weak believer. Like, because of the way my family brought me up and, and these strong convictions that we held, I mean, we were, we were at the lake with some of our friends from church, and they were drinking beer, and I was aghast. How could they do such a thing? And I went up to them, and I said something so stupid. Like, I'm not even going to tell you what it was. It was so stupid. Like, I was, I was young, and I still remember it. And, and then there were other times in my life where, where I was a strong believer, and like, I know my freedoms that I have in Christ that I can do some of these things. And I got so annoyed at some of these people nitpicking and telling me, you can't do this, you can't do that, don't do this. And I was bitter. So, so really, what Paul is saying for us today, what we need to understand is, is this, both the strong believer and the weak believer need to grow. The strong believer needs to grow in love. The weak believer needs to grow in knowledge. See, as long as a brother is weak in the faith, we must lovingly deal with their immaturity and bring them to to being in a better place. If we really love him, we want him to grow. It's wrong for a Christian to remain with a weak conscience. It's like when parents bring home a new child, right? The rules in the house change. Like you put scissors up high and you bubble wrap all the sharp corners and you put those plugs in all the plugs because it doesn't really matter. I don't know why we do that. And we're trying to change things, but as the child gets older, the things, the rules in the household can begin to change because that child is learning and growing and maturing. It's natural for a child to stumble when they're learning to walk. It's not natural for an adult to stumble often. And we see that, we know that something is wrong. A person's spiritual maturity is revealed by his discernment. He is willing to give up his rights so that others might be helped. He does this not as a burden, but as a blessing. Just as a loving parent makes sacrifices for their children, a mature believer sacrifices to help younger believers grow in their faith. And so if I may, I think this kind of sums up our whole Romans series. So this is my series in a sentence. Romans is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of love. Life. Christ died to give us eternal life, to give us salvation, liberty. He has freed us from the law. We no longer have to worry about the law ruling over us. Instead, it comes alongside us. We don't have to worry about the opinions of others, right? And love. Like so often, we as Americans, like, you see what I did here, right? So often we as Americans say, hey, I am entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But we pursue happiness in all the wrong places. What Paul is saying is when we pursue love, and perhaps even better than love is unity, the pursuit of unity. Romans is all about unity. But perhaps love, when when we pursue love, when we love those around us, To offer them the same grace that we have been offered. And that brings unity within the church. And that's really what he is all about. Verse 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Like that is so important. Our pursuit of love brings unity. And it ought to bring people of different cultures, of different economic backgrounds, of different statuses, of different ethnicities, different upbringings, and together in a way that is unexplainable by any other means. And when that happens, Christ is glorified and it brings praise to God. This was, this was Jesus' biggest prayer for us. Do you, you realize that? Right before he went to the cross, his prayer was for you and me. We see this in John. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've been given them that the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one and I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The world will know the message is true. When they see us being united in a way that historically, socially, politically, economically, culturally, makes no sense. When we with our differences can show unity, we show Jesus. they see this change in us they can see the change maker God we (laughs) we are amazed by this passage the freedom that you have given us the ability to discern and God we recognize what a great responsibility that is so God we pray for discernment to understand what is truly important for us to hold firmly to, God, and what things that we need to hold loosely to. God, we pray for forgiveness, for the times that we have been that strong Christian but failed to love those around us. God, for times that we were the weak believers and were so judgmental of others doing things that we thought were wrong. So God, we pray really for what Romans is all about, we pray for unity. We pray that you are glorified by the way that we come together in ways that make no sense. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at